I love to watch football. Notice, I did not say that I love playing football. I love watching football. I am not a football player. Although, at, at one point in my life, I was a football player. I played football for one season. Eighth grade. Now, I was, not, I was kind of a chunky junior high kid. Uh, I was not athletic. I was definitely not fast. Um, I uh, had no athletic ability whatsoever, uh, and apparently I wasn't very smart because there was no logical reason for me to go out for the football team uh, when I was in eighth grade. But yet, there I was, doing the push-ups, or in my case, push-up, um, <laughs> doing the sit-ups, again, sit-up. Um, you know, I, I went out for the football team, and I, I got... And because I was kind of a hefty kid, I, I was put on the offensive line, and I was on, uh, I, I was a bench warmer, okay? I was a bench warmer, uh, and I, I figured they put me in the position where, like, I could do the least amount of damage to our chances of winning. So there I am, sitting on the bench the whole season, waiting, and then... My big chance. I got in a game. One game. But I got to play in one game. So I go up, get ready. I line up, get in my stance. Now I can't do that anymore. <laughs> 46, not 14. But anyway, I get in my stance. I get in, the guy in front of me. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I am an offensive lineman for the Taft Junior High School Tigers. Arr. Anyway, so I line up across from the guy in front of me. Arr, I'm a tiger. Arr. And I'm kind of giving the you know, Rocky Eye the Tiger thing. So I'm saying, you know, and uh, the, the quarterback hikes the ball. And I, I go in and engage the guy across from me. And he, and uh, next thing I know, uh, they hand the ball off to the running back. And, and the running back dropped the ball. He fumbled the ball. And I picked it up. And I ran into the end zone. And I scored a touchdown. Oh, wait a minute. That was Rudy. Oh, I, uh, I often get myself confused with movie stars. So, yeah, that was Rudy. That wasn't me. That wasn't me at all. No, no, I probably got flattened, actually. <laughs> I don't remember. It's all a blur. Um, but no, I, like I said, I, I do not play football. I like watching football. And one of the things I actually look for uh, when I'm watching a football game is when my team, and you all know who that is, yeah, um, my team, when my team scores a touchdown, you know, I, I, I look for the extra point because usually like when, when they go to kick the extra point, so, someone will hold up a sign that kind of, kind of looks something like this. Have you ever seen this sign when you're watching a football game and you know, they go to kick the extra point and the guy holds the sign up just like that. John three sixteen. you know, maybe, you know, this verse. Uh, maybe you grew up going to Sunday school or vacation Bible school and, and you memorized that verse as a kid. Or, or maybe you've memorized that verse and you know it by heart. Or probably the King James Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that, gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Maybe you know that verse. Maybe you've, maybe you, you, you've never been to church before. Maybe you didn't grow up going to Sunday school. That's fine. Uh, maybe you didn't grow up going to vacation Bible school and, and you've seen that sign, the John 316 sign and thought to yourself, who's John and where does he have to be at 316? <laughs> or, or maybe, you know, 
maybe you did grow up going to church and you've heard that verse before and you've never really considered what it means or why so many people love this verse. You know, maybe you're a churchgoer and, and you've lost the meaning of it. Or, or maybe you're a churchgoer and you've lost the meaning of Christmas. Maybe Christmas this year just doesn't feel like it has in the past. Maybe you've never been to church before and Christmas is all about just presents and gifts and family. And, and maybe you're, you're searching and you're looking for something. You're looking for something deeper in Christmas this year. I want to tell you you're in the right place. We're going to talk about this verse today, John 3.16. And here's the thing about this verse, is that uh, it, it is so powerful and so special. And you may think to yourselves, well, what does John 3.16 have to do with Christmas? And there's no wise men, there's no magi, there's no uh, shepherds, no mangers, it doesn't even mention Mary and Joseph at all in John 3.16. So what does it have to do with Christmas? Everything. It has everything to do with Christmas. And we're going to talk about that today as we talk about John 3.16. We are uh, concluding a teaching series that we started a couple weeks ago today. And it's called, What a Difference a Day Makes Christmas Edition. Or What a Difference Christmas Day Makes. And we started this series a couple weeks ago by talking about Jesus' mother, Mary, and how she was just an ordinary girl for whom God had an extraordinary plan, and how God uh, accomplished great things through Mary as Jesus' mother. And so she fulfilled the plan that God had for her and changed the world. It changed her world, and it changed our world. Last week, we talked about the shepherds, the first ones to go and see the baby Jesus, and the first ones to spread the word about who Jesus is. They're the first ones to tell everybody the good news about Jesus, and how we need to be like the shepherds and tell other people the good news about Jesus and his birth and his life and his death and his resurrection. Today, we're talking about John 3.16 and how the world has never been the same since the very first Christmas and what a difference Christmas Day makes for you and for me. So if you have a Bible, uh, turn to John 3.16. Uh, if, if you didn't bring your Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 862 of that Bible, uh, page 862 of the, of the Bible in the chair in front of you. Or you can follow along on your GFCC app if you've gotten the app. If you haven't gotten it yet, you can go to your app store on your smartphone or tablet and you can download the GFCC app by searching for GFCC in your app store. And you can do all kinds of cool things with our app. You'll get push notifications about different events going on around here. Uh, you'll also be able to take sermon notes as well as give your tithes and offerings through the app. So it's a really cool tool to use to stay up with all things GFCC. So like I said, we are in John 3.16, and I want to look at this verse, and we're going to read it here in just a second. I want to set the, the context for you a little bit. Jesus was meeting with a man named Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, 
And Pharisees were religious experts in the law, in, in God's law. They were Jewish religious experts and scholars. And so this man, Nicodemus, is a, an expert in God's law, and he comes to ask Jesus some questions. And he comes to ask him these questions in the middle of the night. He didn't want anyone to see that he was meeting with Jesus, especially his fellow Pharisees. So Jesus comes, uh, Nicodemus comes to meet with Jesus in the middle of the night, and he says to him, he asks him some questions, and, and Jesus tells Nicodemus that he, if he wants to see the kingdom of God, he must be born again. He must be spiritually reborn, because Nicodemus asked Jesus, well, what do you mean? How can a man uh, enter his mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus tells him, you're Israel's teacher, and you have no idea what I'm talking about. And he tells him that what I mean is you've got to be born of water and the Spirit, you got to be born again spiritually. And then, and then John tells us these incredible words. After this conversation, John kind of sums up this conversation with these words in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And here's the thing about John 3, 16. Lots of people know that verse. They love that verse. You know, they can quote it. They, they memorize it. And, and it's probably a verse, yeah, you've heard. Whether you've been to church before or not, you've probably heard that verse along the line some way, seen the sign at the football game. The verse that is my favorite in John 3, isn't necessarily John 3, 16. It's John 3, 17. And John writes this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We'll talk more about what that means in just a few minutes. And like I said, you may be wondering to yourself, what does this have to do with Christmas? Everything. Jesus came into the world to save the world. That's what it says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, when it talks about uh, how an angel appeared in a dream to Jesus' earthly father, Joseph. And he appears in a dream to Joseph, and he tells him this in Matthew 1, 21. She, Mary, will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, the Greek name Jesus is uh, it's the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. And the name Joshua literally means God saves. So Jesus' very name means that he is a savior. Jesus came to save people from their sins. So what is a sin? A sin is a disobedience of God. That when you disobey God's word, when you disobey God's commands, whether it's something he tells you to do and you don't do it, or whether he tells you something not to do and you do do it, that is a sin. And our sins separate us from God. Because of our sins, we don't deserve to go to heaven. Rather, we deserve to spend eternity separated from God in hell. But see, God loved the world so much that he couldn't let that happen. 
He loved the world so much that he gave us a wonderful Christmas gift named Jesus, whose very name means that God saves, because that's what God wants to do. He wants to save every single one of us. He wants to save you, and he wants to save me. We'll talk about how that happens, that process, in just a little bit. But this was not just, you know, God's kind of like, oh, I, I better do something, so I'm, I'm going to send Jesus. No, Jesus' birth was prophesied. His birth, death, and resurrection was prophesied about hundreds of years before he ever was born. The prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 6, he was despised and rejected. He's talking about Jesus. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. That God took all of our sins and he put them on Jesus. And when Jesus died on the cross, our sins died with him. But God didn't leave him dead. No, no. God raised Jesus back to life to give us the hope of resurrection, the hope of coming back to life and living forever with him. Um, you know, Jesus came for a very specific purpose, to save people from their sins. Paul told his young Timothy, his young protege Timothy in, Timothy, in 1 Timothy 1.15, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. Now, Paul declared himself to be the worst of sinners because he persecuted the church of Jesus Christ. He persecuted the church. He put Christians to death. And therefore, he felt like he was the worst Christian who ever lived, the worst sinner who ever lived. So good news for you and me, we'll never be worse than number two. All right, we'll never be worse than the second worst sinner who ever lived. And some of you I know are the second worst. No, I'm, I'm kidding, it's me. Um, Paul says that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And here's the thing, folks. We're all sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. He's a sinner. She's a sinner. Wouldn't you like to be a sinner too? Old Dr. Pepper commercial. But the fact is we're all sinners. We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat of sin. We're just rowing with different oars, like I like to say. We've all got a thing. We've all got a sin. We've all got sins. We've all sinned in some way we're all sinners and the good news is is that jesus came to save us from our sins jesus came on a rescue mission to save us from our sins he came looking for sinners he came looking for you he came looking for me to rescue us and to save us from our sins in luke chapter 19 verse 10 it says the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Have you ever felt lost? Uh, have you ever felt, I'm, I'm not talking like your GPS, you know, wigged out on you or Google Maps put a new road in somewhere that doesn't exist. I'm talking about, have you ever felt lost spiritually? Have you ever felt like things just didn't make sense? 
and you felt like things were just falling apart all the time, and you felt so far away from God that you questioned whether or not God even exists, and you just felt lost, just terribly lost, with no sense of purpose and no sense of meaning in life, and, and just lost. The good news is, is that Jesus came to find you. He came looking for you, to seeking after you. And why did he do that? Because he didn't want you to be lost anymore. He, wants to, he came looking for you to save you and to bring you home. In 1 Peter 3.18, the Apostle Peter wrote, For Christ suffered for sins, once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Jesus came to bring you home. And like Dorothy said, there's no place like home. And Jesus came to take you home where you belong. That though you may feel like you are lost and though you may feel like you are wandering in the desert or wandering in the wilderness and you feel like you've lost your way and maybe you've lost your way more than once. Maybe you feel like you've lost your way time and time again. Jesus is looking for you to take you home where you belong. To take you where you need to be. And dare I say, to take you to where you want to be. And that's home with God. He came looking for you. He is seeking after you. And he wants to save you. And bring you to God. That's the very reason he came. In John 1.29. John the Baptist. One of Jesus' relatives. Looked at Jesus and said. Look the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. That God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish. But have eternal life. He is the Lamb of God. Who is the perfect human sacrifice, who died for our sins, to take away our sins, the sin of the world. You know, Jesus came to save us. And there are three truths that you need to know based on, this, on these Bible verses we've looked at today. Three truths that you need to know. The first is this. Jesus did not come to condemn you to hell. Jesus did not come to condemn you to hell. He's, John says, the book of John says, that the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That Jesus didn't come to condemn you to hell. And, and it drives me nuts when my fellow preachers get up uh, on a Sunday morning or whenever and they start yelling at people and screaming at people and telling them that they're going to hell. If Jesus didn't come to condemn people to hell, it sure isn't my job to condemn people to hell. It's not. My job is to tell you how to get to heaven. And, and, and I want to do that today. I want to share with you the good news of Jesus and how you can get to heaven. Jesus did not come to condemn you to hell. Now, that doesn't mean that hell isn't real. It's a real place and people really go there. And it is absolutely tragic and awful. And God went to incredible lengths to make sure that people didn't have to go to hell. No one has to go to hell. Jesus came to keep us out of there. And to take us home to heaven where we belong. With God. And the second truth you need to know is that Jesus came to save you from your sins. Jesus came to save you from your sins. Jesus gave up his life for you. He went to the cross. And he suffered and died a torturous, excruciating death. 
but he didn't stay dead. Nope. God raised him back to life on the third day, just like Jesus predicted he would. Jesus said, I'm going to die, but God is going to raise me back to life on the third day. And sure enough, God raised him back to life on the third day. And then he ascended into heaven and he's returning to take us home to be with him forever. Jesus came to save you from your sins. And he is the only way to be saved. And I know it sounds exclusivist and I know it sounds maybe politically incorrect, but Jesus is the only way to be saved. He said this about himself in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He didn't say, I am a way or a truth or a life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You can't get to heaven except through Jesus. He's the only way to be saved. And that's why our job as followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, your job is to tell as many people about Jesus as you can. Because he's the only hope that we have. He's the only hope of the world. He's the only way to be saved. The last truth you need to know. You need to know Jesus did not come to save Jesus did not come to condemn you to hell. Jesus came to save you from your sins. The third truth you need to know is Jesus came because God loves you. God loves you. And you may think to yourself, no, he doesn't. How could God ever love me? How could God ever care for someone like me? How could God love me? Sean, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the sins that I've committed. You don't know the errors that I've made. You don't know the mistakes that I've made. You don't know the ways that I've messed up. You don't know the ways that I've screwed up. You don't know the people that I've hurt. I've hurt my family. I've hurt my friends. I've hurt my coworkers. I've hurt my parents. I've hurt my children. You don't know, Sean. You just don't know. And I'm here to tell you, God knows, and yet God does love you. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter the things you've said, no matter the people that you've hurt, it doesn't excuse it, but I'm telling you, God knows it, and he loves you, and he wants to forgive it all. He wants to forgive it all. Because he loves you. Right there where you are sitting, this morning, right now, in this very moment, God is loving you with all of his heart. And he proved it. He showed it. He demonstrated it. When he sent his son, Jesus. God entered into history. In the form of a little baby. Named Jesus. And he grew up. And he went to the cross. And he did die. And he really did come back to life. And he really is coming back again. And my question for you is, are you ready for him to come back? Have you put your faith and trust in Christ for forgiveness and salvation? And it's real easy to do. Uh, we, here at GSCC, we teach a, a very simple biblical plan of salvation. Uh, the first thing you need to do is you need to believe. You need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died for your sins. You need to repent. And repentance is simply a change of mind that leads to a change of behavior. It's saying, I'm not going to live for myself. I'm not going to live for sin anymore. I want to live for God. I want to I turn to God for forgiveness. I want to turn away from sin and turn to God for forgiveness. You need to confess your faith. You need to acknowledge the fact that you do believe. You need to publicly acknowledge the fact that you are a believer. 
and believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You need to proclaim him as Lord and Savior. And you need to be baptized. You need to surrender and submit your life to Christ and, and be baptized. And, and here's the good news, folks. If you've never been baptized before, you can do that today. Like, you can do that today. We have warm water. It's about 98 degrees. It's very comfortable. And, and we have warm clothes that you can change into. We, have a, we even have a hair dryer. You can dry your hair if you still have some. But you can, you can give your life to Jesus today. You can experience that life-changing forgiveness, that destiny-altering forgiveness that only he can give you. And if you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you. We're going to sing a song in just a couple of minutes. And, and during that song, if you've made the decision that you want to follow Jesus by being baptized, you can come forward and make that decision known today. If you're not quite ready to make that decision just yet, if you, I, I encourage you, don't put it off. But if you're not ready, if you're not there yet, come talk to me. Grab me after this service and say, can we set up a time to get together and chat about my next step of faith? Because I want to talk to you about it. If you are a believer in Jesus and you've been baptized, I want to encourage you. I want just a very simple step to take with this message. Uh, in a few hours, we're going to have this message put online on our Facebook page, and on our website, gfcc.net. And I want you to, to get the link to this message and share it with somebody for Christmas this year. Share it on your page. If you have a Facebook page or a social media account, share this message on your page so that somebody else can hear it. So somebody else can hear the good news of what Christmas is really all about. That it's more than just uh, presents and family and food. And, and it, there's more to it than that. That it is about a God who loved the world so very much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And when we speak God's truth into someone's life, when we share the true meaning of Christmas, we will help people discover what a difference Christmas Day makes.